Well, we are in week eight of a series called Faith That Works. It's a series in the book of James. And uh, we're looking at a topic that we've already looked at once. We're looking at the topic of wisdom, as Janine just read about. And it's interesting, I was thinking about it this week as a pastor. Uh, I get a lot of questions as a pastor, and they're, they're often related to wisdom in some form or fashion. I like Typically, here's what I mean. Uh, people don't often ask me about love. Uh, they don't often ask me, like, should I love my spouse or hate them? Like, what does the Bible say? They don't often ask that. They know, like, you're supposed to love your spouse. They're supposed to love their neighbor. Uh, it's a matter of do you have the courage to do that? Do you, are you led by the Spirit of God to do that? Right? Uh, oftentimes, I don't get a lot of questions about holiness. Most people know, like, the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. Again, it's just a matter of do you have the courage to do it? Do you have the, the Holy Spirit within you to lead you in those moments to not give in to temptation? And, but, but usually what people ask me is all related to wisdom. Hey, Tim, should I, should I move forward in this relationship or should I take a step back? Hey, Tim, with my money in this season, in this, in this stage of my life, with everything we got going on, the bills and, and all these things, what is giving and saving and spending, what does that really look like for us right now? Hey, hey, Tim, there's, there's lots of things in my life that are good, like I want to do, and that I think I should say yes to, maybe even in the church or at school or at home or at work. What are the best things I should say yes to? You ever ask that? It's a wisdom question. Hey, in this conflict, here's kind of what's been happening with my coworker. Here's kind of what's been happening with my, my spouse or a friend. Should I bring it up or should I not? Am I being too... Uh, obsessive about this, or, or should am I, am I not? Should I bring it up and confront this person? What should I do? These are all questions of wisdom because almost all of life comes down to wisdom. It's why in 1 Kings chapter 3, Old Testament, Solomon becomes king. God goes to Solomon and says, Hey, Solomon, what do you want? You're king now. What do you want? I'll give you anything you just ask. And Solomon doesn't ask for wealth, he doesn't ask for power. What does he ask for? Wisdom. Because almost all of life comes down to wisdom. And looking out in this room and looking at myself this week, I realize we all need wisdom. Amen? Amen. Like, relationally, we need wisdom. Emotionally, we need wisdom. Financially, we need wisdom. Politically, come on, somebody. <laughs> we need wisdom, right? We all need wisdom, so it's good that James is bringing this up for a second time. Amen? Okay, we're going to look at it together. James 3, if you didn't already grab a Bible, do that now. James 3, verse 13 through 18. And our first point is this, if you take notes. Wisdom isn't expressed by how much you know, but how well you live. James starts off with a question. Verse 13, look at the verse. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? And if you notice, he asked it in such a way like someone might be in the audience and, and raise their hand. Like if I were to ask you today, like, who is wise and understanding among you? Some of you might think, like, should I raise my hand or should I not? It's church. Like, raising hands a good thing, right? And, and James kind of knew, like, he's messing with us a little bit, like, hey, who is wise and understanding among you? And James is just waiting for somebody to raise his hand so we can tell him, hey, put that hand down. Nobody says they're wise. You show you're wise. How do we know? Look at verse 13. Three words, conduct, show, and works. 
James is singing the same old tune he's been singing the whole book. Amen? What does James say? Faith without works is dead. It's useless. He's really saying the same thing right here as we talk about wisdom. Hey, hey, knowledge without the application of that knowledge, it's useless. You can say you have wisdom all day, but until you show it, it doesn't matter. So James is continuing that trend, and we see this biblically. Biblically, wisdom refers to the quality of having skill. Even that word conduct that he uses right there, it is moral conduct, but it's not just moral conduct. Literally, that word means a beautiful life. It's where today we get our word calligraphy. It's the idea of putting to practice what you know. And so we've said this before, it's not just knowing about wood, it's being able to craft a table out of wood. It's not just reading a book about the ocean, it's being able to sail across the ocean. It's not just knowing the notes, it's getting up here like these guys just did and singing the song, right? The wisdom is this, is this skill that we develop, it's, it's what we know about God being put into practice. In fact, you could see it this way, that the progression goes like this. It's knowing data in your head that leads to a disposition in your heart that leads to the deeds of your hands. Right? We see that in, in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 1 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Data in your head. It is important to have the right data, amen? Like the fear of the Lord, like who is God? What's his character, his nature, his person, his work? Who am I in light of that? That, that starts, that's the beginning point of knowledge, of information, of the data in your head. But it doesn't stop there. Psalm 1 tells us, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. This, this knowledge in your head, this data in your head, it affects the disposition of your heart. It affects your affections. Right? Once you know who God is, you're not just a robot walking around doing what he says. You love him. Like you're in awe of him. It affects the disposition of your heart, but it doesn't stop there. It leads to the deeds of your hands, and that's James, the whole book, all five chapters. Right? So you have this data that leads to this disposition that leads to these deeds. That's, that's wisdom, biblically, the full spectrum of wisdom. And we see a disconnect somewhere in this spectrum in this progression in our culture. In 2020, specifically today, our problem is not lack of information, right? We have more information in 2020 than we've ever had before, and we have it all at our fingertips. Like some of you have it in your hand right now, or in your pocket. We have more information, more access to that information than ever before, but listen, are we getting wiser? No is the right answer. No, we're not. What's the problem? That data in our heads is not making it to our hearts and is not making it to our hands for sure. Right? And so we, we have to see wisdom biblically. James is laying out wisdom biblically. We see this uh, in our culture. We see it in our, in our lives. Everybody in here has a family member or a friend who's a genius when it comes to books or the lab but you would never let that person babysit your kids. <laughs> and you would never give that person some money and say, hey, why don't you steward this for me? You're like, you're smart with books. You could, you could work up some stuff in a lab, but practically, you don't have the skill. You don't have wisdom. It hasn't made it to your hands, right? 
Uh, a few people said it really well, better than I ever could. One author said it this way, we're drowning in information yet starving for wisdom. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said it this way, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. We see this. Again, some of you have that family member. Some of you have that friend. I thought about this uh, and thought about Elon Musk, probably the smartest person on on the planet today. I think he's sending cars to the moon or to Mars. I forget. Like, it's too much. He's going so fast. He is smart. But every time I watch a video interview with Elon Musk, he looks tired. I hear stories about his company and how there's so much turnover. Now, he's smart, but is he wise? And so we have to get this right. James is trying to give you a target because some of us are aiming at the wrong target in wisdom, right? Some of us think if I just had more knowledge, then my life would go better. If I just had more money, if I just had a different spouse, come on, life would go better. My problems would be solved. And James is trying to show you, no, 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 no. You need the right knowledge. You need the right disposition of your heart. And you need it to lead to the deeds of your hands. That, That wisdom is not just knowing a lot of facts. It's how well you live. So right off the bat, James is giving us the right target to aim at with wisdom. That's wisdom biblically. Second point is wisdom doesn't merely benefit you, but the community around you. Look at verse 14. Verse 14, it says this, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition, he says it again, exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. What James is describing is false wisdom. What he's describing is the same thing we see in Proverbs 14, 12, that there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. And James is saying this false wisdom that may seem wise in our culture to you personally, to your flesh as you wake up in the morning, what this seems like may not be what it actually is. And he says this false wisdom is marked primarily by these two things, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Bitter jealousy. No, it's bitter jealousy. It's not only do I want what you have, I'm angry about it. I'm upset about it, right? Selfish ambition, the opposite of the meekness James mentions in verse 13. It's the, there's no I in team, but there is a me it's selfish ambition. It's, it's what our culture, and again, it's not, he's saying selfish ambition. Our culture doesn't call it that, do they? No, they call it hustle. No, they call it get mine. Hey, you go get yours. Do your thing, right? They don't call it selfish ambition. We don't like that. Don't call it that, James. We call it wise. Hey, you should go. You should go get yours. Yeah, do your thing. Hey, you should go make some money. Get, do your thing. James is saying, no, that's selfish ambition. That's false wisdom. It's demonic wisdom. Right? So James is showing us, he's warning us uh, against this, this false wisdom. Uh, and it's interesting, he pairs these two things together. Do you notice that? Jealousy, selfishness. Like a, a false wisdom cocktail. C.S. Lewis did the same thing. Mere Christianity, the book, C.S. Lewis said, said it this way. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, 
only out of having more of it than the next man. We say people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better looking than others. It's almost like, hear me, it's almost like C.S. Lewis rebukes Instagram before it existed. <laughs> Come on, right? How much of your time do you spend on false wisdom? And again, you don't talk, call it bitter jealousy. You don't call it selfish ambition. But how much time do you spend pursuing that false wisdom? How much time are you looking on social media and thinking, well, that's nice that I bought that house. How many rooms? Four? Hmm, I didn't think they had four bedrooms in that area. That I could afford, at least. Um, oh, what? Nice car. I mean, that's faster than mine. I got the minivan. You, got, you, do, you have the Tesla. Um, how much do you make again? Oh, man, your kids, I mean, they just look like they behave so easily. You look so refreshed as a parent. Like, how do you do it? Like, what is going on over there? Oh, man, you, that career, your career's really blowing up. Like, you get the promotion. Uh-huh, yeah. Salary's going great. Paid vacation. They don't even, they don't even track it. What? Um, and you're like 10 years younger than me? Like, that, it's not supposed to work that way. How much time do you spend chasing after false wisdom? A lot, right? We all spend a lot of time chasing after it's the wrong target. And so James is, he's not just showing us what wisdom is, he's showing what, what it is not and how our culture is gonna preach this wisdom all day, listen, all day, every day. Every billboard you see, every person you talk to, every Instagram post is gonna preach that kind of wisdom. And James is gonna go so far as to say, hey, that's demonic wisdom. And I remember reading that, and I just thought, James, okay, James. I mean, sometimes you get kind of crazy. <laughs> sometimes James calls us brothers, but then he calls us adulterers. Sometimes James just like shock factor, James. Like, really, demonic, James? Is that, is that too strong of a word? It's just selfish ambition mixed with some jealousy. But then I thought about it. These are the little things that seem small at first, Listen, that we all have in our lives, every single person in here is chasing after that kind of false wisdom. If we were just honest in a moment, transparent in a moment, before God and before others, we would all say, hey, jealousy, selfishness, is that something you struggle with? Sometimes, yeah. So James is pointing out something that may seem small, but look, can spread. Like the coronavirus. You're like, wow, that's a little... Selfishness, a little jealousy. It's in Mexico already? What is going on? It's spreading that fast? Like California, Arizona's close proximity? What's going on? And James is pointing, hey, this is demonic. Why? Because it's deceptive. Satan is the great deceiver. He doesn't come at you directly. He comes at you deceptively. It's just a little bit of selfishness. It's a little bit of jealousy. It's not murder. It's not adultery. I mean, that's demonic. I don't do that. It's just a little bit of selfishness, a little bit of jealousy, and it's just a little bit in this day, a little bit in that day, a little bit in this thought, a little bit in that deed, a little bit in this church, a little bit in that church, and it starts to spread. And so James is warning you, it is demonic. It may be small, but it's demonic, and it spreads, and it divides, and it distracts, and it deters from real wisdom. We see this uh, all the time. I think we see it in bands most vividly. 
Think about some bands you know, right? Oasis. Today is going to be the day. It's not the day anymore. They broke up, right? <laughs> if you didn't know, sorry to reveal that to you today, right? <laughs> Think about Van Halen. How many lead singers did they have? They had lead singers like come, like leave and come back. Like you lose track. This one's personal for me. <clears throat> Just give me a moment. Boys to men. <laughs> I mean, what happened to the bassist? Yeah, I mean, the guy who, some, some people say, I mean, I don't know which side of the aisle of this you're on, but some people say, you know, they perform in Las Vegas. And some people say they got the three guys, they lost the fourth. If you didn't know, again, sorry to break that news to you about boys to men. But some people say, like, the fourth guy didn't really matter. I, I think he did. I mean, that guy who would just roll in and be like, baby, girl, girl, you just know. I miss that guy. Huh? It's personal for me. It's so hard to say goodbye. It's the end of the road. Those are the songs. Go, let, go back and listen to it, young people. Get some wisdom. <laughs> and, and then Jonas Brothers. I had to include that for the young, young people. They're back together, whatever. You know, let's move on. <laughs> Amen. Somebody get excited about Jonas Brothers. There we go. Yeah. We see this, don't we? We see this false wisdom permeate a person and then permeate a group of people and then permeate a culture. It divides bands. No offense, Kyle, right? It divides bands. It divides churches, right? What do we always say? The color of the carpet, the electricity bill, hymns versus choruses. I don't even know if they call them that anymore, right? We find stuff to argue about, and it's this selfish ambition. It's this jealousy, and it divides the body of Christ, not just the Jonas brothers, the body of Christ, people indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God, denominations split over selfishness and jealousy. It's demonic. And it can creep up. It's just a little bit, a little bit of selfishness, a little bit of envy, a little bit of bitterness that starts to well up in our life. And it can divide people. And so true wisdom, it's not just beneficial for you. It's beneficial for us, right? And we have to get that. And James is trying to show you that. Because, listen, a lot of us have a picture of wisdom that's false and we don't even know it. A lot of us, we even think of it through paintings or pictures or whatever. We think of the wise person as all alone on an island with a long beard, and he's stroking it and waxing eloquence. And he's by himself. And maybe every once in a while, you get to speak with him. No, the wise person is in the community. He's in the church. He's seeking God. He doesn't just know a lot of facts. He has the deeds to back it up. He doesn't just say it. He shows it. Like the wise person just doesn't just know, like Ephesians, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You can go to his house and you can see it happen. He's in there doing the dishes. I, that guy gets it, man. What? That guy, he's wise, right? You see it. And James, is, he's not going to show us that, hey, that's what it is. He's going to show us what wisdom is not so you don't pursue the wrong target. Amen. Last point, wisdom isn't found in you, but intentionally pursued above you. James describes what this real wisdom looks like in action. Verse 17, look at the verse. He says, here's the contrast, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, 
full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. What he just described is the character of Christ, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you get, if you get God, if you get the Holy Spirit, if you get Jesus, you'll get this kind of wisdom. And then he says what it produces, verse 18. He says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This kind of wisdom produces a harvest of righteousness. So this is what we're after. And for the second time, James tells us where to get it. He says it's from above. It's from above. Have you noticed that we naturally look in one of two places in life? In front of us and below us, right? I remember my wife and I were getting a couple's massage one time. And we don't typically do this, and I haven't had a lot of massages in life, so my posture is not very good, but I'm trying to change that, right? So we get this massage after the massage. The lady's outside talking to me and my wife. They're kind of coaching us up what we can do now as we leave this place. And she says, like, hey, do you, do you kind of look in front of you, and do you look down a lot? And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of what I do uh, for work. I write sermons. And she says, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> and you need to, here's what you need to do. For 30 seconds to 60 seconds a day, you need to do this. You need to look up. And she said, do it right now. So I did it, just like I'm doing right now. <laughs> and what I thought about then and what I'm thinking about now is this is hard, right? And it's unnatural. I don't naturally look up like this. I have to intentionally do that, right? Wisdom from above, same way. That's why scripture, listen, scripture will say, set your mind on heavenly things, not earthly things. That's why scripture will use really intentional language. There's no mistakes. There's no just flippant language in scripture. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Set, fix. Why? You have to intentionally do it. You have to intentionally set your eyes upon God. And that's where we find wisdom, and that's how we find wisdom. It's an intentional pursuit. Listen, every single moment of every single day, if not literally, figuratively, you're looking in front of you and you're looking below you. You're looking at you. You're looking at your circumstances and your problems with money and your problems spiritually and that sin you committed or this friend who wronged you and this bitterness that you have or that, that work and you're trying to get ahead and work 60 hours to 70 hours a week to the neglect of your family and, and you're looking at you and you're looking at things around you and below you but you're never looking above you and scripture's telling you and James is telling you, hey, set your minds on it. Fix your eyes on it. Focus, intentionally pursue the wisdom of God. You will not get it from the world. You won't get it from yourself. But that's where we're all looking 99% of the time. And so James is trying to tell us, hey, look above. The wisdom from God is from above. So what does it look like to look for that kind of wisdom? I'm going to give you three quick things. Again, you can write these down. First thing. Study the wisdom of God through the word of God. Study the wisdom of God through the word of God. The primary way you look up as a believer, you intentionally set your mind, you fix your eyes on Jesus, on his word. The primary way you do that is through his word. Right? And so some of us, we don't like that answer, right? Because you're thinking, well, Tim, where I've looked in his word, and it doesn't tell me whether to address this person in the midst of this conflict. 
It doesn't tell me what to do about my boss who I don't like. It doesn't tell me what to do about this spouse, don't look around, that I don't always agree with. I looked in his word. I need some, like, I need some specific answers. Listen, God's not going to give you the specifics until you looked at his, his word, his revealed will. God's not going to give you the secret without you knowing the, the revealed will of God. So you want the, the wisdom of God in your life? You look to the word of God. And you learn the 66 books, 40 plus authors written over 1,500 years in three different languages. You learn, we got some wisdom at our fingertips. Learn that. Start there. That's the primary way we look up. That happens through preaching. That happens on Sunday mornings. That's why you need to come. It's not just a religious ritual. We are getting the wisdom of God through the word of God right now. And hopefully, as you leave this place, you're different than when you came in. I, my hope for you is not that you just get some good information. Well, that's what it says in the Greek. Oh, great. That's, that's a good nugget to impress your friends later. But I want you to have some wisdom for your life that you walk out of these doors and you just start to see relationships differently. You start to see that conflict differently. You start to see your, your spouse differently because of the wisdom you got from the word of God. That's why we're doing these studies. That's why we did a marriage study, four weeks. That's why we're doing a women's study. It's not too late to jump in, women. They're talking about the word of God, the wisdom of God through the word of God, how it's seamless. And we see this thread of Jesus throughout the, the, the book of the Bible. Jump in that. We all need wisdom. Are you going to the source? Are you looking up? Are you setting your mind? Are you fixing your eyes? Are you not just doing that from the church? Like sometimes... We get this mixed up, like, you should come to church, go to the study, do everything I just said, but sometimes we're like, I don't know if I'm really getting fed right now. And the reality is we're, we're coming to church for an hour a week. If you stay for the study, two hours. Two hours a week. 167 hours are in a week. Two hours, 167. Somebody do the math on that, right? <laughs> we need more wisdom than that. So what do you do? You take the Bible home with you. That's why we always say, hey, don't just listen to my words, listen to the word of God. Hey, get the Bible in front of you. That's not just to annoy you. Some of you are sitting back like this, like, I ain't doing it. <laughs> Every Sunday, I see you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting the Bible in front of me. Why do I want you to do that so you can just, like, be at my command? No. I want you to practice reading your Bible in church because if you'll do it in church, you might do it at home, right? And so read the Bible for yourself. When you get home, a guy in our community group this week, it was so great, he challenged our group to read through the book of James twice. And I remember seeing that, it was in a group text, and I thought, well, that's ambitious. <laughs> Goodness, I hope nobody's offended by that. And then I grabbed my Bible, and I looked at it, and I was like, James is five chapters, and my Bible, it's three pages. You can read that five times in one sitting. It's three pages. Read your Bible. Get the wisdom of God through the word of God. Read the book of Proverbs. James is the New Testament book of wisdom. Proverbs is the Old Testament book of wisdom. Today, you guys are in luck. You didn't even know it when you came to church today. Today's March 1st. There's 31 days in March. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. You see where this is going. <laughs> Start reading a chapter a day in the book of Proverbs. The wisdom book of the Bible. And I guarantee you, when April rolls around, you'll be a wiser person. Because you got the wisdom of God through the word of God. Second thing, listen to wise counsel. Listen to wise counsel. One commentator said it this way, godly wisdom may be summed up with humility. 
This week, try this. Again, more homework. Ask questions and just listen. Ask questions and just listen. And particularly from godly people. They could be older than you, younger than you, peers, whatever. Ask questions and just listen. I was listening to a podcast the other day that talked about we have lost the art of asking questions. And here's why. Primarily, and I'm not hating on social media today. I kind of am. Kind of am. But social media has infiltrated real life. What do we do on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter? We tell people what we think, what we're doing, how great it is. That's infiltrated life. Because we spend so much time telling people what we think, what we're doing, when we go to real people with souls and who are breathing in front of us, you know those people, not just the phone. When we go to those people, we just go, it's social media. We're just like, hey, here's what I did. Here's how great I am. Here's what I did the other day. And nobody knows how to ask questions. Wisdom may be summed up with humility. Humility is expressed as you just go to some other people and just say, hey, I just want to ask you some questions, and I just want to listen. I'm not going to be thinking about what I'm going to say while you're saying something. I'm just going to ask the question. I'm just going to listen. Listen to wise counsel. The last thing, pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Chapter 1, five or six weeks ago, James said this. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, because why? He gives it generously. Now, as I studied this this week, I had to think about that. Five or six weeks ago, we looked at this, from this room and this, and this time. Five or six weeks ago. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He gives it generously. And I had to think about personally, how many times have I asked God for wisdom since? In the last five weeks, in my relationships, in my finances, in my spirituality, in that conflict, in that sin, how many times have I asked God for wisdom in the last six weeks? How many times have you asked God for wisdom in the last six weeks? James 1, God gave you a promise. If you lack wisdom, ask for it. I'll give it generously, excessively. How many times have you asked God? How many times have you taken advantage of the promise of God? In that thing that's worrying you, how, many, how much time have you spent worrying about it and not asking God for wisdom about it? Come on. God gave us a promise. And it's almost like James knew, like we need this reminder in chapter three because we didn't get it in chapter one. Pray, ask God. In James one, it says ask. It's literally ask, ask, ask. Don't stop asking. How many times have you asked? How long have you spent asking? Well, five minutes. How about you spend an hour? I asked five times. How about you spend, how about you ask 50 times? God will give you wisdom generously. Ask for it. Ask for it again. Some of you think, Tim, I did ask for it. My situation hadn't changed. Ask for it again. Ask for it again. God is faithful to give his people wisdom. Let's ask for it now, amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. I I thank you for these men and women. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom. Give me wisdom. Give our church wisdom. God, we're asking for it now, and we know you give it generously when we ask, so we believe in faith that you will do that now. God, I ask for it knowing that that these people, and, and myself included, we need wisdom in real life situations. 
We need wisdom in our, our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our hobbies, with our family. We need wisdom with our, our sin. And God, I pray right now in this moment, just by your spirit, through your word, you would just have granted us wisdom that we could walk out of here seeing life through a different lens. And not just seeing it through a different lens, but living it accordingly. God, help us to have the courage to live lives of wisdom. God, empowered by your spirit, with our our minds set on Jesus, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, that he would be our vision, that he would be our focus, that we would stop looking down, stop looking right in front of us, stop even looking just at ourselves, and we would start looking above to the wisdom that comes from you. And you would change us to be more like you because of it. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.